the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, October the 21st, 2021, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1797, the U.S. Navy frigate Constitution, also known as Old Ironsides, was christened in Boston's Harbor. Today in 1879, Thomas Edison perfected a workable electric light at his laboratory in Menlo Park, New Jersey. He told a colleague, he said, I hope someday to compete with the gas lights. He did. Today in 1967, tens of thousands of Vietnam War protesters began two days of demonstrations in Washington, D.C. Some said there were 100,000 people there protesting the Vietnam War. I remember that well. I'm sure most of you do as well. Today in 2001, Washington, D.C. postal worker Thomas Morris, Jr., he died. He inhaled some anthrax. Officials had just begun testing thousands of postal workers. He was the first fatality. Today in 2015, Vice President Joe Biden announced that he would not be a candidate in the 2016 White House campaign. That solidified Hillary Clinton, her status as the Democratic frontrunner. Five years ago today, cyber attacks on server farms on a key Internet firm repeatedly disrupted access to major websites and online services, including Twitter, Netflix, and PayPal, all across the United States. There are many people, tech people, that are saying that more of that is coming. It's inevitable. It's interesting how as we have moved as a nation and as a world onto the Internet, we have willingly done so, and in doing so, we have placed our lives, our hands, our, our very existence, humanly speaking, in the hands of a few. We know them by name, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey on Twitter and so on. There's only a few that pretty much handle everything that goes on in the world today on the Internet. I'm not suggesting that we should go back to carrying a little notepad in our back pocket, but maybe someday we'll wish we would have. Speaking of discovering truth, Rand Paul this morning put out a, um, put out a tweet, and he said, I told you so. But he said that's not adequate. Yeah, they, the Fauci, and the people at EcoTech that he was funding, Fauci has just vigorously defied Rand Paul, Senator Rand Paul, when Paul has said, told him to his face in hearings that he did fund gain-of-function research at Wuhan. In China, and Fauci has repeatedly called him a liar, basically. Well, now we know that Rand Paul is not a liar. It has all come out, 
And the people at Ecotech have admitted that, yes, they were doing that, and yes, Dr. Fauci did know about it. We'll see where that goes. I don't think you'll hear or read much about that today because it doesn't fit with the plan that the media has for our for our daily life and our future. But it is indeed there, and the light has been turned on. And Dr. Fauci, yeah, he did know about it. And he has been trying to cover it up all along. So, as I said, that won't get a lot of press, but I thought I'd mention it to you in passing. I want to talk to you a little bit about a story in Acts chapter 14 today. And I'll come back to that in a moment, but it's about a certain man in Lystra. He was impotent in his feet from birth. He'd been a cripple from his mother's womb. He'd never walked. But he heard Paul speak one day, Acts chapter 14. The Bible says that Paul discerned that he should heal the guy or ask the Lord to heal him, not Paul himself, but that he had faith, the man, the crippled man. So Paul said with a loud voice, Stand upright on thy feet. And he leaped up, and he walked. It was a miracle. I want to talk a little bit about that today in the context of our culture and the church and the message that we have for our world, our culture, or the message that we should have but we don't have. I want to touch on a couple of those things today, but Mayor Durkin, she told the press yesterday, we're in much better shape than we thought we would be because so many people have done exactly what we asked them to do. Asked would probably be an understatement. Demanded would be more accurate. Should compliance trump conscience in our daily lives? We'll get to that as well. Mayor Durkin is, of course, relieved that she didn't lose all of her police force that they have been berating and defunding as best they could over the last couple of years. It's There's a new dawning of understanding upon the left in general that maybe they do need cops after all. But she said, boy, we thought it was going to be a lot worse than this because so many have acted in compliance who said they wouldn't. But when the consequences were applied, many changed their mind, but many, many didn't. Seattle Police Department officers, firefighters who were fired for believing in their, that they had rights under the Constitution had not complied with the city's COVID shot mandate. They marched up the steps of City Hall. They turned in their boots this week. They placed them on the steps of City Hall. They did some other things as well. They had a little kind of a barbecue breakfast outdoors. They started feeding after they had turned in their boots to symbolize their being fired from their jobs. They started feeding some of the homeless people, and there are many to feed anywhere in Seattle. You can find them. But footage taken from Seattle City Hall and posted on social media shows them out there feeding feeding the homeless. One person, this Katie Davis Court, tweeted, 
Now Seattle firefighters and Seattle police officers that were fired for not complying with the vaccine mandate are out feeding the homeless. Posted a picture on social media. Some of the former firefighters and police are passing out food, another person tweeted. Back in November of 2019, then-President Trump was fully aware of the left's obsession with undermining God-given rights of conscience, particularly in health care. His administration had put in place a rule that would have made it easier for medical providers to avoid performing abortions. That's what the, the rule was actually put in place specifically to do with abortions, but it has application even to this conversation that we're having right now. So while it was put in place for abortion, it had to do with forcing people to act against their conscience, and in this case, their biblically informed conscience. Medical services in general, abortion specifically. But it had to do with religion, with our conscience over compliance. In other words, it protected, it was a layer of protection for people to truly live out the freedoms that we have under the Constitution of the United States, which claims its power, its authority, under God, the Creator. The founders of this country were very deliberate in how they presented this new government, a republic with some democratic aspects to it, not a democracy, but a republic. And they were very specific about how they presented this to the people, telling them, as Ben Franklin did when he was asked, stepping out of the hall where they were actually drafting the Constitution. We've heard the story perhaps many times, but a lady steps up to Ben Franklin, recognizing who he was, and she said, what kind of a government have you given us? And he said, a republic, if you can keep it. And that suggests that a republic particularly is always under assault because of the nature of it, because it provides a greater a greater source of freedom in the sense, and in the case of the United States, in the sense of protecting the freedoms that we claim are God-given. And we believe that. And Christians believe that, or we should, because it's biblical. Our founders drew heavily on the Bible. But when we see government operating today, and I'm not just directing this at Jenny Durkin, but at all of the left who are in power in too many places now, the left always assumes no divine intervention in anything. They mention God. Nancy Pelosi is well known for mentioning God. She says God wants us to do the Green New Deal. Because God wants us to worship, those are, these are her words, not mine, God wants us to worship the environment. They come, up, they come up with a religious tone, but the actions and the policies that proceed from that are really demonic in many cases, barbaric in many cases. Abortion is barbaric, it's demonic. It is it it should have no place in a culture that claims any connection to the Bible, 
to the word of God. And yet it is the centerpiece of the left. What has happened as we've moved along in this culture is, from my point of view, and I, as some of you know, I'm over 40 now, and I've been around a while, and I've observed. I'm not maybe that smart, but I catch on over time. And I've observed that as the culture ebbs and flows, as those who are leftists or so-called progressives, they're anything but progressive, but so-called progressives are in power, they expand this, this confusion into the culture. And more people begin, if not to embrace, at least to question what it is that I really believe. Could it be, I mentioned yesterday, as Nebuchadnezzar was questioning the three Hebrew kids, the young guys, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. If you, if you weren't listening yesterday, <clears throat> excuse me, yesterday we talked a little bit about that. And um, the question to him was, is it true? And the culture tends to question us who embrace biblical teaching or proclaim to embrace it. Is, is it true that you wouldn't allow someone to marry the person they love, even if it's same sex? Is it true that a woman who has been raped and having a baby, I mean, is it true that you wouldn't allow her? It's her body. Would you take that right away from her? And so on. It goes down the list of every cultural aspect. It is the question lingers. Is it true that you would not allow this woman to have women's health care? Is it true that people can't worship as they see fit? Is it true? And so on. We talked a little bit about that yesterday. But that is the tone of the, of the culture. And today we see it in an expanded form because there are so many progressives in prominent leadership roles with a lot of authority, starting with the White House, the Oval Office. And you go down through, I, I pray to God it's going to change. And if, if we can get our act together as Christians and conservatives, we can make those decisions in America. But we can't make them when we ourselves are confused. And we find that in every action that our leadership, the leftist leadership, particularly here on the West Coast, is taking. And that was no exception with the way that Jenny Durkin, she said, I knew I was, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but she's, she was saying, I knew I was going to hurt the government. I knew I was going to lose police and first responders and firefighters. And we knew we were going to lose doctors and so on. Jay Inslee uh, the, parroting some of the same um, ideas. But, it, man, it wasn't as bad as we thought. There is no sense, really, of the greater good, and yet they are always calling on the people to act on behalf of the greater good, not their conscience, not their God-given freedom, but the greater good. And the greater good is what they determine to be the greater good. They take it out of the hands of God, and they become gods themselves. And this is what I saw reflected in this episode where these people are, their livelihood is gone. They've lost their job. The coach, in, by the way, I talked about the coach in, at former coach at, at Washington State University, uh, the football coach. He is now suing 
uh, the athletic director, and I didn't have time to read all of what the lawsuit's about, but it'll play out publicly, I'm sure. But anyway, a, a lawsuit has been filed. I was reading this morning, and um, probably rightly so from what I know, but <clears throat> we'll see what happens. But people of faith, of biblical faith, are constantly getting pushed to the margin and being marginalized because of our faith. It's interesting how at the same time, the people who push true people of faith, of biblical faith, to the margin, they themselves assume the role of godliness and righteousness and leadership and virtue in absolute contradiction to God's word. And sometimes, and too often, the church goes along with this. And this was the case, and I'm not going to get into the details, but this was the case with Mayor Durkin. She said, wow, we knew we were going to really hurt a lot of people and they were going to lose, a lot of people were going to lose their jobs and we were going to be short on police and all of that. I mean, she didn't say those words, but that was the implication. But we're a lot better off than I thought we were going to be. We didn't lose as many because they did what we told them to do. And that is a prevailing idea in the left. Fox News said this week that Washington Post went into overtime to lower expectations for President Joe Biden over issues plaguing his administration. Same thing is happening in the White House. And yes, the Washington Post did go into overtime. Fox is right. I read that quite extensively. And they have found the fact that Biden's approval right now is 36.4%, according to a Zogby poll, and they're not conservative necessarily. 61.3% of people that, that were in that poll had a negative rating. Not just passive. They didn't just say, well, I don't I don't think he's doing a very good job. They said he's doing a bad job. 61.3%. His rating now officially is 36.4%. Have a, he has a negative rating. Only 2.3% said they didn't know how they felt about this. That's the lowest I've seen in any poll on any issue. There's always between 8 and 15% of people who aren't sure what they believe about any given thing in a poll. Only 2.3% don't know how they feel about Biden. That's interesting. But the press is trying to prop it up. The left is trying to assume a role that is not theirs, the role of God. And people, our lives are being destroyed as a, as a part of that process. And we find ourselves today in need of a church with a strong voice. Which brings me back to Acts chapter 14. I want to just share a little bit of that with you. and I want to talk about that in the context of what's happening in our country, in our world, and in our city, in our community, wherever that may be. In Acts chapter 14, the story, I want to look at, at, at verse 8 for a moment. And there's, there sat a certain man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The same heard Paul speak, and steadfastly beholding him, perceived that he had faith to be healed. 
He said with a loud voice, Stand up on your feet and be healed. He leaped and walked. And when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of the Laconian, their own tongue, their own language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas uh, Jupiter, Zeus, and they called Paul Hermes, or Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, Zeus, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands, this verse 13, garlands unto the gates that they would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of that, how did they respond? Their response is my point today. When the people of the city were were saying, yes, yes, we are with you. You are gods. You have answers. You have solutions for our problems. There was a moment in time when Paul and Barnabas could have said, well, you know, we want to relate to these people. We want to somehow influence their thinking. And we're going to go along with this. We know that we represent God. We're not God. But we want, it's for the it's for the better good. It's for the good of the community. And we can use this as a, a tool for evangelism. No, they didn't do that. In fact, they were so struck by it, they so resisted the idea of being deified for the moment that they said, no, 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 we're not gods. They rent their clothes, the Bible says, and they ran in among the people crying out. It wasn't just a passive, no, no, we're just human like you, but we do have some, it wasn't that kind of a response. When the people begin to press on them, we also are men of like passions with you, and we preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto a living God. They stood true on their message, and they put their message into the culture at the time that the culture in that situation needed it the most. These people were confused. They were looking for a God who's, who was made in their own image. Paul would write to the Romans at, a, at another time, and he would say, he would talk about exchanging the truth for the lie and worshiping the created rather than the creator and so on. This was what was playing out in front of him in this case. And he chose to immediately address the issue, not trying to win friends so he could have a relational evangelism effect on them somewhere down the road. He spoke the truth in the darkness and in the confusion. It did not end well for Paul, at least temporarily. They ended up stoning him and dragging him outside of the city. You can read the account in Acts chapter 14, but they thought he was dead, and they left him out there, and the apostles, the Christians, went out there and gathered around him, and the Bible doesn't say whether they laid hands on him or what happened, but anyway, he stood up, and he carried on. So sometimes we don't get the result of, of winning you know, the, the prize, getting the little Oscar or whatever, but God has called his church to speak to times such as this. I got to be honest with you, that's what motivates me, and I'm not driven to do it, but I'm highly motivated to do what we do here. And this is just one voice. 
I understand that. But I think God is calling all of us to be a voice in this culture of confusion, and we live in a culture of confusion. They are led by a light that isn't a light. They are led by a truth that isn't a truth. They're led by policies that are failed policies, politically. And then Probe Ministries comes out. I happen to know the founder of Probe Ministries. But Probe Ministries came out with a with a report, a survey this morning. It says nearly 70% of born-again Christians disagree with the biblical position that Jesus is the only way to God. According to a new survey from Probe Ministries, they found that uh, among Americans ages 18 to 55, that from all religious groups, including those who identify as born-again Christians, born-again respondents were identified based on their affirmative response to the question, have you ever made a personal commitment to Jesus Christ? There is still, uh, that is still important in your life today. And they, that's how they identified them. They also used the idea of being born-again believers that believe I will go to heaven because I confessed my sins and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. However, in that group, Despite this claim by self-identified born-again Christians among all respondents in that category, 18 to 39 years old, they found that only one out of five, only one out of five, believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Four out of five agreed with the statement that Muhammad, Buddha, and Jesus all taught valid ways. To God. I'm not talking about another country on the bottom of the earth somewhere. I'm talking about America. And I'm talking about people who say, yes, I'm a born-again evangelical Christian. That's what's wrong with the culture today. It isn't, it isn't the Jenny Durkins and the Joe Bidens that are stumbling around. In some cases, they can't even talk. It's not them. It's a silent church. It's a confused church, not the confused culture. And that's what Paul recognized in his day, and we better recognize it in our day, because God has called us to that. This survey goes on and on, and it talks about how Christians are so confused, they don't know up from down, biblically. It's sad, but it's true. And I think, and I say that not to condemn, but I say that out of profound concern. Because if we don't know what the Bible teaches on the most fundamental issues, that there is only one way to God, and that is through the person of Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, he is the only begotten Son of God. If we don't have that straight, we're not going to get anything straight. And that's what we're seeing reflected in our culture today in too many cases. Not all Christians, but too many Christians are profoundly confused about what they believe. There's a whole lot of reasons for that. I think we can lay that at the feet of the church sometimes. We don't want to preach the gospel. We don't want to have straight talk. And I know the resistance. I was a pastor and ministered my entire life, an ordained minister, my adult life. I know there's resistance to truth when you speak the truth to the culture, particularly. But man, we've got to speak the truth and we've got to say it in a way that people understand. we got to profess God's truth because our culture desperately, desperately needs it. Hey, thank you for being with me today, and thank you for your support. Our address, we need it. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98. 98-
0009, Box 399, Bellevue 98009. Thanks for being here today. I'll see you right here tomorrow. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.